Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, we've got a special guest. I am here with Antoinette Irvine, who is the Vice President, Human Resources, Global Supply Chain at Unilever. Antoinette, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Yes. So, Antoinette, you've spoken at our events before. You're speaking at the upcoming Transform Live event. Um, we've got a lot of questions to ask you. We've got a lot of things that we're no doubt we're going to be covering, but maybe if, if you introduce yourself to those of us or those people that are watching that may not know who you are, but tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I am um, originally from South Africa. If anybody can pick up the accent, um, I work in Unilever, as we said, and I'm currently responsible for the global supply chain business partnering role in HR. So that's end to end. I'm based in London. I've been here for five years in this role. And previous to that, I had many other roles around the world, including Africa and China and some very exciting places. Um, but very, uh, very nice, obviously, to have a chance to be in a global role like this with Unilever and, and to have that experience um, of of what's happening all around the world. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I've got two wonderful teenage children and I'm based here in London. Brilliant. Well, in, in cold London during the winter. So uh, uh, it's not South Africa, but I guess you'll have to make do. Um, so so why don't, I guess, why don't we just get started and talk to you about the big, the big thing that's happening in the news, COVID. Uh, how has that impacted your supply chain HR strategies, you know, what, what's what's happening in your world? So I think, you know, those of our guests that will be listening to this will know that it, it had a massive impact in the short term. And I think that there's two things I'd say, there's the short term and there's long term. I think in the short term, again, just to put some context um, to what I'm going to say is we're a manufacturing marketing company. We have uh, 26, uh, 260 uh, sites around the world that we needed to run. So when COVID came, we were one of those businesses that was deemed as essential in terms of our consumer goods. Um, and so not only did we have to reset everything um, around how we run our factories, how we keep our employees safe, how we ensure they can go to work, but everybody knows also we all faced how do we manage all our all our leaders, all our community, 160,000 employees working from home. And so in the short term, I'd say that, you know, so much changed. I mean, every day of last year as, as, as a crisis hit was resetting what the way we worked, what we needed to do in HR and even resetting policies that we needed in place very, very quickly um, to accommodate, as I said, the, the two scenarios we found keeping our factories running, our operations running, and actually getting people safely to work, allowing the government to let them work. And then, um, and then all our community who were working from home, figuring out you know, um, how to make a difference. Um, and then I'd say in the long term, as we all know, now that it, we can see that this is a context that's to stay, is actually that has had quite a fundamental impact on actually many things um, around how we want to work um, in Unilever, but I think how we want to work, many businesses talk about it, you know, the agile working from home, um, the way we prioritize, I mean, so many aspects of what we do have changed. So I think there was the crisis, we had all the short term challenges, but then increasingly that's changed our perspective on how we want to work in the long term. And that's really impacted our HR policies and strategies. 
Well, it's it's been, you know, uh, a complete game changer, hasn't it? I mean, the great big working from home social exper experiment that I think everyone was talking about has worked. You know, I, I say this all the time. I, I, you know, when I talk to some of the supply chain people, I think, can you imagine if I had asked you a year and a half ago, can you work from home? And most supply chain people would have said to me, absolutely not. No way can I work from home. It's impossible. Are you crazy, Maria? You know, but we are. And I'm, I know it's not ideal. And I know there are a lot of complexities. And I know it's not going to stay like, as is, but certainly it must make you rethink some things, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, as I said, um, the audience that will be listening will resonate with this, whether you're a large or small company, it doesn't matter. Everybody's been impacted. And I think it's changed fundamentally the way um, that, that we work. Even for those businesses that have operations like ourselves, that have to have people going to work that are essential workers, the whole protocol from the time they leave home, uh, their safety, and then, you know, how they how we protect them during their working hours, how they return home and how we keep them safe is a completely new way of working. And, and I suspect that that will be here to stay. And as you know, on the agile ways of working, we, we've really broken, we've broken down all the prejudices, all the barriers um, about working from home. We've had to reorganize in most companies, small or large, how teams work, how people connect. Um, you know, mental resilience, as we know, is a huge topic, you know, that we, we, we could talk about, but, you know, I could spend lots of time talking about the challenges that, that we experience with the isolation that our employees feel from working from home. But it, it shifted a lot of things. And I think in, in COVID, I'm sure many businesses faced it, but for us, there was a lot of clarity on what we needed to do. So before COVID, you know, there was much more freedom to have many things in the air, many priorities, let's say. But suddenly when the, the crisis came, that prioritization, that focus of what we needed to do, galvanizing people, uh, people coming together, you know, I saw collaboration from an HR point of view that I've never seen before. I saw sharing really? of resources. I saw cross-functional teams. So some of that we do have to bottle. We, we do have to try and keep some of the wonderful things, even though we're in such a difficult context, about ways of working that came about, uh, would be our experience in Unilever, but I'm sure other companies saw that as well. So how do we keep some of those, you know, really important practices, as we said, um, working for us going forward? Because we, we did have real focus on what was important during the crisis and the peak of the crisis. Well, I think sometimes crisis can bring out the best in some people, you know, in some organizations, can't it? The kind of collaboration, unity, working towards a common goal. Uh, so you're right. How do you tap into that? And, you know, when we move to the next phase, because a lot of people are talking about the post-COVID world, which I still hold out there. I don't think we're going to have a post-COVID world yet. I still, we're sort of in a different phase of COVID, right? It's not eradicated yet. Uh, it's just a different phase. So how do we keep working with those, you know, great things that we learned? Um, are you looking at some sort of flexibility and agility and sort of help for um, people within your businesses to deal with this next period, this next phase? Yes, and I think, you know, we certainly, and I certainly don't have all the answers, because I think if, 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 if you in any of the forums, this is an ongoing discussion, it's articles have been written, but certainly for us, we, we are looking at the best way I can describe it is a hybrid model. Um, 
So there, we, we know we will be returning to hubs. I think many businesses like us have, have re-looked actually our whole office setup. You know, what do we need? How do we want to actually even organize in the office when we return? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What kind of working patterns do we want? We certainly have shifted our thinking from everybody has a desk in the office every day. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, we're busy looking at how do we have more hybrid models of working? So where, where can we... Um, continue with the benefits that Agile has brought for many people. You know, in many countries, transport, getting to work takes up a lot of time. But then how can we have rotations uh, where people would come into the office and do the collaboration, have the team meetings, and that our office space actually is also designed. I know many companies are thinking about that. You know, how do they even design the offices such um, that we can work in a different way? So for us, let I, I do believe actually that is unlocking more of what I think we will see in the future. So interesting, I think COVID has pushed us there um, to more hybrid ways of working. As we know, with technology, you can really be based anywhere. But there is that, we are very clear that there is that need, as we say, for people to come together, yeah. to have that personal contact. So we, we don't see us remaining remote. And as we speak today, we have many sites around the world, because we're in many countries around the world, um, going live right now as we speak, going back to office, and many of them are in rotation systems. So we do want to keep up, let's say, the good of, of what we've achieved um, and learned during working, you know, being forced actually to work in the way that we've worked um, from home and agile. Do you know, it's about resilience though, isn't it? It's about adaptability to sort of something something new. I was talking to someone the other day who said that, well, I asked them this question, which is, are you going to be traveling as much as you did before the pandemic? And the answer I got was an interesting one, which I'm gonna ask you the, your, your feedback on this. He said that he probably will be traveling a lot, maybe not as much as he was before, but the question he will ask himself and all of his team will be, can this be done another way? Can we do a remote meeting? So not what we used to do, which is I'll just hop on a plane as if it was a taxi down the road. You know, there's a sustainability angle that we need to think about here. You know, we are businesses that want, you know, this is a serious thing. So uh, do you think that you or you or your teams will be traveling as much or will you also be adapting a sort of a new way of working so that you can offer this level of flexibility? Yeah, I think we, we, we have to rethink, um, as you said, you know, because we've tested all of these boundaries now and we figured out that while it's not ideal and certainly not perfect, as I said, because there is something about being together in the office, working cross-functional teams together, that we've made it work. So, you know, we've run the company. In our context, we've run the company for 16 months like this and nobody has got on a plane. Nobody yeah. has got on a plane, really. I mean, that's, we, we, we have to stop allowed. right here. We have, you have to stop right here and really consider how brilliant, how amazing that is. A company the size of Unilever, for the last 16 months, you've run this amazingly successful company with how many employees do you have worldwide? Well, about 168,000 that are permanent. I mean, so, that's a huge feat, you know, for, for it can be done. No one's saying it's going to continue to be this way permanently. And yes. like you said at the beginning, no one is saying it's perfect or you have all the answers, but this is a great accomplishment to do that. So it's certainly got to bring its lessons with, you know, for what the new world is going to look like, right? Absolutely. So, I, you know, but I do, as I say, 
for those um, that will be listening in that do, you know, international jobs or global jobs or even, you know, regional jobs, you know, we, we do miss those opportunities to go and visit the sites to engage with the with with our employees and leaders to you know walk on the factory floor all of those things but again we, we've had to evolve you know we we now have factory visits we will have virtual factory visits where our leaders um because we're not actually allowed many we're not we're not actually allowed still to visit some of our sites because of the COVID protocols so um, we've definitely evolved and technology luckily has helped us. You know, I, I, I think we all realize that had we been in another age, you know, we may not have had the luxury of being able to communicate um, and do things that we've been able to do now virtually. So I suppose that's another benefit that maybe people don't talk about as much, but in another age, we wouldn't have been able to achieve what we have. But there is a place for, for, for the contact. There is a place for the travel, but we, you know the way we were running most businesses have to have to relook that now they have to relook and say is that really needed and are there more cost effective ways to do this uh, well cost effective and also i mean more intelligent sustainable greener ways of of looking i mean we you know we used to hop on planes like they were no big deal you know so i'm not suggesting that we stay exactly as is but i think rethink a little bit um certain certain aspects Let, let's talk a little bit about digital transformation and uh you know we, we've you've touched upon it in terms of technology um they say COVID is the great digital accelerator how has technology played a part in uh this period for you guys yeah i mean i think you know you can keep it as basic as all the platforms we've been using to you know to have meetings and engage and um collaborate and break out and so, so there's the sort of let me say foundational technology that we use every day now and um, that i'm sure many of our leaders by the way didn't use um because yeah. they were always in face-to-face -face meetings and then more in terms of where we are in the supply chain and unilever for us in a supply chain that we run um and again i'm sure there's many technical companies that have supply chains but many parts of the supply chain are actually requiring digital transformation, whether that's in manufacturing, in terms of automation, whether that's no touch planning, um, whether that's logistics, etc. So they are, and, and what, what COVID did was it, it probably heightened the reality of, of how important it actually is to accelerate what we call the digital um, technologies that we're bringing in. Um, so that we can run the business, as I said, successfully, right? Um, with more mm. of the automation, um, more of the analytics, all of the things that come with those digital solutions. So it, it has certainly accelerated that. Luckily for us is we were already on a path before COVID hit. We, we had really identified in Unilever a very big need to transform. Um, and so many projects were in flight. Uh, we had a period where we did pause some of them because of the business you know we just all hands on deck let, let's run the the as i said the operations um but certainly now we're very very grateful that we're in a position that we're already down the track to to make those implementations that we need to do um across unilever um with the digital automation that's coming in Let's move on to a different topic, which is a topic that is very close to your heart and mine as well, diversity and inclusion. Uh, do you think it took a back seat 
during COVID for, for you guys or for other companies? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, for us, it didn't, um, but I'm sure it may for other companies. The reason it didn't for us is because we, we our plans are, are well entrenched, if I can put it that way. Our, our plans in terms of not only the diversity we want in Unilever, but the culture we want to create is, is, is well entrenched with what we want to do. And in fact, COVID heightened the need on the inclusiveness, the, the climate of inclusiveness, um, the connection, uh, many of the aspects we look at in terms of what we call driving inclusive culture. So for us, it, it actually didn't. Um, and in fact, what we did see is that, you know, it did break down some of the prejudices as we spoke about earlier and the barriers, you know, the assumptions about um, families, the assumptions about women, um, so many sort of judgments people can have because they don't get to see your family life. We, we found in our organization that those barriers were broken down. Really? So actually, if you look at that and you say, okay, well, what's the benefit of that? Because obviously all of this had, had lots of negatives for people that were working from home. It, it did create um, more understanding and empathy, um, you know, of, of how people need to work, what are their responsibilities, and it, it leveled the playing fields. So. Okay. And in fact, you know, we we excited because in our supply chain, we we, we actually hit in January forty percent gender representation across our. Wow. Top. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we were celebrating um, just last month because we actually, for the first time, as I said, broke a glass ceiling. I didn't think we would we would we would get to. So, so that's forty percent uh, representation. Sorry, because I interrupted. I, I went wow right when you would tell, tell me exactly what it was. Forty percent representation where. Uh, for all um, across our supply chain, our global supply chain, all our, our leadership roles, um, so let's say management as a category, although it's quite traditional that term, um, yeah. and we are now 40%, which is in a supply chain technical context is, I think the industry is probably sitting at 20%. So um, so for us, it, it, it didn't slow us down. And in fact, I think it, as I said, it it's, you know, we also had diverse leaders. I don't know if other companies had that, but we had the experience that individuals um, could really just, let's say, get stuck in and, and really help. And so, again, you started to see a lot of um, even newcomers that we had in the company that previously may not have felt safe to sort of show their full game. So there were a lot of barriers, if, if I'm making sense, that actually got broken down. And that actually helped us to, to drive our agenda on, you know, this is why, you know, everybody, we need to ensure that we can unlock it for women, for men, and for everybody. And we need to create this inclusive environment. Um, but I'm sure for many companies that they, they may have prioritized, um, this is not the most important thing during COVID. <laughs> well, what's been, what's been the benefit of, of this? Has it contributed to different thinking? Has it contributed to helping you guys move your business forward? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's, it's, you know, not only is it that we are creating, you know, if we look at our engagement stores, if we look at, um, you know, how people feel about what we're doing, how they feel about working for Unilever, um, what Unilever stands for, um, you know, we, we're very lucky that, that we're in COVID, actually, we saw a 10% jump um, across the board um, when we did our dipstick at the end of last year. And that was in, in acknowledgement of the effort that we had 
again, we're lucky we could do that. We weren't in a financial context like other businesses may have been. We, we really prioritized our people and we prioritized the culture. And that came through in what people said. And ultimately, you know, um, if you look at, you know, how Unilever has performed or actually the ability to run the business in that context, you know, we, we're very proud of what we achieved um, over that period. And, and we believe that the winning formula has to be having diverse and inclusive leadership teams. I mean, we believe that's fundamental to the formula. Um, you know, the other quick point I do want to say is that George Floyd, the, the whole thing around Black Lives Matter, as you know, um, exploded um, during last year. And so that was an important moment for us as well to acknowledge that we still have a long way to go, Unilever yeah. as well. And I think around the world, um, you know, that, that heightened the focus around, you know, our brands, our advertising. Um, so this is not just about inclusion in the workplace. This is about inclusive advertising. It's about what our brands represent. It's about ensuring that we are meeting the consumer needs. And the consumers actually, even though they, are, I think, is polarization, are But looking. they're demanding it. They're demanding. They are demanding. People are looking for more um, equity. They're looking for more fairness. They're looking for more values in organizations. And so... For us, this actually represents a strategic or let's say competitive advantage as well for us, if, if that makes sense, with our yeah. brands that we have in Unilever. Well, absolutely. I mean, this also goes back to a conversation I've always had about supply chain and the image supply chain has. If we look back to supply chain 20 years ago, it was this back office function. It was sort of a, you know, back there, dirty, you know, in the warehouse, stacking and, you know, moving goods. And uh, COVID, if, that's, if it's done something else, it's put a spotlight on supply chain as a very strategic uh, position within a business. As a matter of fact, businesses are going to live or die by how strong their supply chains are, right, Dur during this pandemic. And so you can't have a supply chain anymore that is not diverse and inclusive. Your clients are going to demand it. This is business critical stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and supply chain, I think, even if you look at, you know, how governments have had to work their supply chain to deliver yeah. the PPE vaccines. It's all resting on a supply chain. Fundamentally, it's resting on the ability to procure, source, you know, manufacture, supply. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you 100%. Um, well, it's not just the clients, but let me tell you something. You're not going to get talent into your business either if you don't have this kind of diversity and inclusion initiative and take it seriously even during a pandemic. So I applaud you uh, actually for the work that you've been doing to get that during a crisis. That speaks volumes. Yeah. And, and you know, I think also, as you've said, I mean, you know, I think we can generalize for a minute and say without offending anybody that my experience, because I haven't only worked in supply chain, I've worked in, in, in um, cross-functional business teams in, in prior roles, but five years now in the supply chain, there is quite a traditional mindset. Um, there is quite a traditional profile of leader. Um, yeah. And there's, there's quite a, you could kind of box the profile sometimes of the leadership. And so, when you look at the, that, the fact is that the supply chain needs to transform, as I said, we need digital solutions, we need partners, no company can run all these digital platform solutions on their own employees, they need partners. That does require a different outlook of leadership that does require um, a diversity of both people and diversity of thought. So 
Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So yeah. It's, for us, we cannot, what we've experienced is we cannot unlock the transformation yeah. unless we bring in the diversity of thinking. Yeah. And so for us, we, we've over-indexed on hiring external talent for the last four years, and we continue doing COVID actually, because we, would bring, we, we, we like to bring people in that, that aren't invested in the past, that have got skills in the areas we want to invest in right now, and we actually don't have the internal capability, and we need them to shake up the status quo. Yeah. So I just want to explain, you know, a lot of people think like, you know, these, these intangible benefits to inclusion, but if you are able to unlock it, and I'm certainly not saying we, we are there yet, in no way we are there yet, there's much work to be do, we've done a lot on the D, we've got a lot of diversity in Unilever, but we need to do more on the R, which is the inclusion, you're not going to unlock a transformational supply chain mm. with, with the same single-minded talent and and that doesn't mean it's it's gender it means it's diversity in every sense of the word um, absolutely people from different backgrounds different different job functions different uh, countries different ages uh you know it it really does mean and 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 like you say the i is the key here as well it's all well and good to have the diversity but get them involved in the running of the business in the direction of the business and and it's something your clients are demanding really i think it's it is something that's very important um last thing what do you think again i ask this all the time and i say i'm not going to hold you to a crystal ball moment here i'm not going to come back and haunt you if it's wrong but what do you think the next year looks like for unilever and for the industry sure that is a big question <laughs> Uh, I, I, think I told you, I'm not going to hold you to it. I'm not going to come back a year later and say you were wrong. <laughs> I think the biggest thing I would say is that we we have to, um, you know, we have to perform in, in, in this new yeah. context, which is not going away. And we have to transform. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. So, you know, as you've heard, we, we have a transformation strategy. We have many elements of that. But I think it's the ability to perform the businesses to perform and then some businesses will be actually recovering right um yeah and having to regroup um but then you still have this need that you know you have got competitor sets you have got an external context um you know look at amazon for example and i hope you don't mind me mentioning them but no. you know i'm sure they have you know they haven't been able to keep up with the business um during COVID. so there's an external context that requires that companies like unilever need to perform, uh, need to look after their people because that's become the biggest theme for most companies, hasn't it? But we yeah. still have to transform and doing those two things together is, is quite challenging. Well, if you think about all the transformation horror stories and all the transformation failures, a lot of them are boiling down to not technological failings, but cultural failings, you know, not taking people with you, not getting people to buy into the transformation, et cetera. So really they, they go hand in hand, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why when you look at what are the leaders we need for the future, um, you're not going to be surprised with my answer to that question. <laughs> no, I, I don't think anybody is. But I think I think it's a must. I really do. I, I, I think it's changing, you know. Um, Antoinette, I want to thank you for being part of uh, 
this podcast and, and answering our questions. And for those of you watching, um, Antoinette is going to be speaking as part of a panel at uh, Transform Live, which is taking place on the 24th and 25th of March. And you're going to be talking about um, capitalizing on supply chain diversity and inclusion to unlock innovation and drive uh, competitiveness. So if you'd like to hear more from Antoinette, uh, don't forget to register for your free space, free place. And also tune in because I'm sure we're going to have you again, Antoinette. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. See you soon. And everyone watching at home, see you later.